0: Welcome to a special episode of Conduct Detrimental. Dan Lust, Dan Wallach. We do this, I don't know, every couple months. We have an episode where we think is important enough to just dedicate one topic, and one topic it is. Dan, we are here to talk about the Brett Favre defamation cases. So maybe we're talking about a couple cases in here. Pat McAfee, Shannon Sharp, Shad White. Um, but that's all we're going to talk about. Brett Favre and defamation.
1: Dan, excited for this episode? Absolutely. I I really enjoy going down the rabbit hole of Mississippi state court litigation. I think we are going to rebrand ourselves as the home of Mississippi sports law. But uh, I want to also highlight the fact that one of the names, Shad White, doesn't quite belong with some of the others like Pat McAfee and, and Shannon Sharp. Shad White's name sounds like that of a football player, but he's actually the Mississippi State Auditor. And he's sort of at the apex of all these allegations made against Brett Favre, which have fueled this, you know, three lawsuit defamation battle over allegations and and, and statements directed towards Favre. So, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting conversation and 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 really highlighting some of the key principles of defamation and slander law, which really could apply in almost every case involving a celebrity. Yeah, so
0: let's let's kind of unpack it. Um, for those that have not been following the saga, I guess we've got to talk about the allegations, controversy surrounding Brett Favre. And then I think what we'll do is we'll kind of one by one walk through the different allegations as it pertains to Shad White, Shannon Sharp. And then Pat McAfee. And we don't bring them up in that particular order for for no reason. That is, uh, I believe, the the way those guys all get introduced to the story. Shad White's been on the sentence since like 2019, 2020. Shannon Sharp has his first comments that are alleged to be defamatory in September. And then Pat McAfee on the back end, November 30th and December 24th of 2022. So, Dan, let's try to do this together. For preparation for this episode, Dan, you and I have been prepping for this episode for about 48 hours. We'll we'll leave it at that. This has been... a he did like a dry run. You know, there's, there's been a lot a lot to this. And I will say, right, this is an odd case. Before we get into the, the Brett Favism's of it all, you have a litigant on the back end of this, Pat McAfee, who's a defendant in this case, who is doing the odd thing that like nobody does. They're named as a defendant in a lawsuit and they're tweeting through it. They're kind of using it as content. So uh, that's why I find the story like, Dan, I moved my syllabus around for Fordham Law School Monday. I made this the, the main topic of class. I dedicated 30 minutes to it. And, you know, we had this conversation, a pretty high level conversation, you know, for class. So, again, if you're a law student listening to this, Dan, I had a like a, a law student from, I'm not going to name the school, but a school that doesn't have a sports law society. And they're like, can I zoom into your class on Monday? I'd love to hear about this.
1: And it's fantastic that yeah, yeah. we have this platform to do this. So before we get into and the Brett Favre, Dan, so much fun. I just want to stop you right there. That's a facet. That's a great point. What is so... You know, really inclusive about sports law and why it's such a fascinating area is that people like you and me who are I was I've been obsessed with sports my entire life. I went through law school learning about these principles: defamation, torts, property, contract law, Civ Pro. I mean, I did well in law school, but imagine you can learn everything through the prism of a sports controversy. I mean, nobody cares about a a garden variety defamation case. You as well, Dan, okay? We we are freaks. You put sports people in a fact pattern and all of a sudden it becomes more important than Mrs. Paul's graph. If it's Clyde Frazier, Earl Monroe, you know, it's like the lights go off. So this case would have been a garden variety defamation lawsuit until Pat McAfee was named as a defendant. I agree. And with McAfee as a defendant, it becomes a nationally interesting and significant case.
0: I got to tell you one thing, and I'm only raising my hand, not because I have something important to say, Dan, I was popping around on your LinkedIn. Do you know what I'm about to say?
1: No, what, what's on my LinkedIn? <laughs> I so mean, I've, like, I've had a long, little, illustrious career. There must be a few embarrassing details. No, what it's not find?
0: embarrassing. You just said you didn't do that well in law school. I think you finished top 2% in your class, Dan, and that's
1: on your LinkedIn. Somewhere. I could have done better, though. I could have done better. I had a very good father. He said, Dan, top 2%, fifth in your class? Why you, couldn't you have been fourth, third, second, or you first? Get,
0: you don't get anything by me. I do my research. I research the litigants of the party. And I researched the actual case, Dan. Yeah, this is what I do. Um, the problem, Dan,
1: was Professor McCluskey in Crim Pro me oh, okay. a C-minus in my third year. Otherwise, I would have been second or third. And I, would have, I would have meddled. But, you know, I Everybody's coasted after the first year.
0: That's not helping your case. That means if we're going to do the math here, and one of our listeners will do the math, that probably means you had straight A-pluses, but you got the one C-minus. So we'll that's leave right. that. Okay, let's do this. So, Dan, I think we should try to tell this, we'll call this the section we talk about, the Brett Favre of it all. So let's, let's start here. I don't want to start necessarily with the Brett Favre Mississippi actions, but I I, I will talk, and you know, I made the comment online, and you know, we'll certainly get into it. Brett Favre, where we start the story, for those that don't know Brett Favre, and again, I guess we then we get the metrics on our listeners. We have some people that are like 18, and they didn't see Brett Favre rewrite the Packers passing record books in like 1990s and win back-to-back MVPs and all this fun stuff. Um, Brett Favre's a Hall of Fame quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. He has his fair share of controversies, you know, closer to his playing career with respect to a a cheerleader with the with the New York Jets. Some kind of really bad comments he had on Cameo. People can look that up. But with respect to these allegations, stealing from the poor of the poor, as uh, we're going to get into some of these allegations from these defendants, that's never been associated with with Brett Favre. So you can say that someone maybe is like a libel proof plaintiff. But with respect to Brett Favre, this is not like a necessarily a Lenny Dykstra type situation, someone that's, you know, has a a very poor reputation. These particular acts, the act of theft, we don't hear a sniff of this about Brett Favre until really the past year. So, Dan, I think we could do this part together. Brett Favre is named as one of 38 defendants in a lawsuit brought by Dan. Is it the
1: state of Mississippi or is it the uh, it's, it's an agency of the state of Mississippi? It's the Mississippi Department of Human Services. I mean, that agency filed a complaint in Mississippi State Court against a sort of a broad array of, of, of individuals and entities that are involved in some alleged, you know, welfare fraud scheme. And an and interesting one, one of the defendants is the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase Sr., uh, along with his son and Brett Favre and Brett Favre Enterprises are also named as defendants.
0: BFE. BFE, as Pat McAfee says.
1: Yeah. So, you know, you say,
0: Dan, the the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase. Dan, do did they, did they call him the 77 million-dollar man or is it just the million-dollar man?
1: <laughs> uh no, I think I think Mr. DiBiase's alleged role is much less than the overall loss that is attributable to the state of Mississippi. I mean, this was these were funds that were I guess supposed to be earmarked for needy families, and the lawsuit alleges that each of these individuals and entities allegedly misappropriated the funds for other uses. And that the funds didn't receive didn't go to the ultimate intended recipients, which would have been needy families in Mississippi, which brings us to the uh principal allegations against Brent Brett Favre. You want to talk about those or well, let's wanna... let's
0: just well, I, I just want to give us the grand scheme and, and we're touching around okay. seventy around seventy million dollars is alleged to have been wrapped up in the scheme. Dan, you mentioned uh DBIAC, seventy-seven. I said around 70, whatever, 77, you know, potatoes, potatoes, 70 million, 77 million. You know, I'm I'm obviously just being facetious here. Marcus Dupree, another uh, former NFL running back, used to play for the University of Mississippi. There's a lot of big names in this. But when it comes to Brett Favre, like you just said about Ted DiBiase, it's not the $77 million man, Ted DiBiase. Everyone has a small piece of this. So Brett Favre, I've I've seen the numbers reported. You know, I, I think the number that Favre is associated with, again, allegedly, reportedly, this is not our reporting. We are not reporting the facts here. I think that number is closer to seven million. That's alleged to have been somewhat potentially allegedly tied to. <laughs> I'm not
1: getting sued here. Allegedly. It's so that's- funny. In a in a post mcafee world, <laughs> every like you know, second word is allegedly, purportedly, or reportedly. You never so can be we have something covered.
0: Though. That's why I get nervous when we do the Dan Snyder episodes or this episode. When you're reporting on a story that's about defamation, you have to be even more careful. So, Dan, that's that's the lay of the land. And we should specify one thing if people haven't realized. And I'm going to give it to you about um, the actual defamation world that we're in. And I'll say this emphatically. I'm going to put a period at the end of the statement. Brett Favre has not been charged with a crime, period. Okay. There have been other individuals that have been charged with a crime in the state of Mississippi, And I I think five as of six, at least the last I was reading, I've actually accepted pleas to those crimes. Now there's a question as to whether or not those pleas involve statements pertaining to Brett Favre, but we don't know that, right? So Brett Favre has not been charged by any entity with a crime. Yes, he is a civil defendant in a lawsuit. That does not mean he is charged with the crime. So Dan, I cede the floor. I think we've set up a a, a lot here, but go ahead. If there's anything else I'm missing, but this is important.
1: And in the civil lawsuit, I mean, if we're really going to sort of defend ourselves and, and and make crystal clear that Favre hasn't been charged with a crime, which is an important fact it for the purpose of the defamation lawsuit, his attorneys have also filed a motion to dismiss uh, the Mississippi Department of Human Services lawsuit against him. And I think that motion to dismiss remains pending. So what fa- has Brett Favre been accused of here? Back in 2017 and 2018 he received the aggregate amount of $1.1 $1. $1 million to make a number of, I guess, promotional appearances, speeches, and or autograph sessions. And he never followed through and and, and gave those speeches or, or, or participated in those promotional appearances. So he got $1.1 $1. $1 million. And when the Mississippi State Auditor uh, demanded the return of those funds, or at least part of those funds, Favre paid the money back. He paid part of the money back before there was ever any demand by the Mississippi State Auditor. And then the auditor demanded an additional $600,000. Favre paid that. And now there's a dispute between the auditor and Brett Farve over whether interest is owing. And I think the auditor... The state auditor, Shad White, has made a demand for Favre to pay $228,000 in interest, which had accrued from 2017, 2018, to and through the present day. So those are part of the allegations that have been made against Favre in the underlying you know, welfare fraud lawsuit. And there are also allegations that he attempted to use some of the funding to construct a volleyball stadium at the University of Southern Mississippi. His daughter, Brett Favre's daughter, is a was is or was a volleyball player at that university. And that's also Brett Favre's alma mater. So there are allegations that some of these funds that are intended to be used to assist poor people were either, you know, used or attempted to be used for non, you know, public services, or, you know, or or, or Brett Favre did not perform the services that he was contracted to provide. So that that pretty much comprises, you know, sort of the, not the entirety, but the heart of the allegations that are made against Brett Favre in the Mississippi welfare fraud case and in some of the public allegations made by the state auditor.
0: Dan, I think that's right. And I think that's an important piece to fill in. I want to just fill in one thing and then we'll get to, you know, our, our three defamation cases and we'll try to hit all of them. I find the Pat McAfee stuff to be fun, but I think they're all slightly different between Shannon Sharpe, Chad White, McAfee, we'll talk about it. I want to read one text and we're going to jump ahead a little bit, but there's comments today, Dan, you and I are recording this on Tuesday night. There, uh, Brett Favre's lawyers have come out and says, you uh, you know, I'm not even sure if Pat McAfee read the complaints and he wasn't aware of this. Listen, you know, it's possible that Pat McAfee didn't read the complaints, but the text message that I'm going to read you, I know a lot of people are aware of, and I, 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 you don't need to necessarily read every nook and cranny of a, a complaint in order to comment on it and not be charged with with defamation, right? This is a text from Brett Favre uh, that came out. I'll say it again. Allegedly came from Brett Favre. I'm trying not to try to get sued here, but um dated August third, 2017. It, it, I think it came out as it, during that. The civil lawsuit where the state of Mississippi, that agency, is suing Favre of the 38 defendants. This is a text allegedly from Brett Favre. "Quote: If you were to pay me, is there any way the media can find out where it came from and how much?" Uh, And Nancy New, who is uh, people want to listen to the just the Brett Favre of of it all. Uh, ESPN Daily has a very good podcast. I think it was like September 20th. The episode she responds back, no. We have never had that information publicized. I understand you being uneasy about that, though. Let's see what happens on Monday with the conversation. Maybe it will click. Brett Favre, okay, thanks. So I know, you know, through different reporting, other people reporting on the story that this text, I guess, convinced a lot of people that Brett Favre had done something wrong.
1: So what we're going to talk about now, right? I don't think it implies that at all. I think it implies that maybe he's being paid too much. Well, it does. Some of the speeches. Again, this is these
0: are our opinions, which we're going to talk about the defamation standard. He says, if you were to pay me, is there any way the media can find out? I think that's a little bit of a. I think it's a fair to say that potentially that showing a guilty conscience of of some sort. If you're concerned, the media is going to find out about something. But my opinion, not facts. Everyone relax. Okay, let's let's do this. We we did talk about that there are three complaints here. Shad White. Again, we we kind of laid it up. He's the uh, from a chronology. He's the first guy we have to talk about. He's been on this case for a number of years. Shannon Sharp has the, uh, you know, between him and Pat, he has the earlier defamatory alleged defamatory statements and then Pat. So who is uh, Shad White, as Dan points out? He may or may not have the name of a uh, creative player in Madden, right? Just like a fake guy. But Chad White's an elected public official for the state of Mississippi. You know, he he's a guy that's, again, been on the scent for a while. But for our purposes, we're not going to get wow. into his whole history. We'll talk about his background in a minute. Certainly, there there are some aspects that are important. But let's get right to the comments first. And I've myself listened to Chad White's interviews. I, I'm going to read you comments that they're just reading on paper. But I can tell you at least my opinion. Chad White says these comments in a very... Stern way, his job as an auditor is to investigate, um, you know, financial activity. We'll say so. He's re- he is stating these as he really does seemingly believe these to be true. He's not giving these in some joking manner. He's not doing open mic at the Apollo. He's reporting these as as the truth. And he talks about battles that he has online when Brett Favre calls him a liar. But neither here nor there uh So so at some point, Shad White goes on the interview trail. He's doing a lot of these interviews. So on CNN, this is according to the complaint, paragraph 19, quote, Shad White, we know that FARB not only knew that he was receiving money from his not-for-profit, which was funded by taxpayer dollars, we know that the funding for that was a sham, and we know he knows that too. So we keep going. September 29th, two weeks later, in an interview with the ESPN Daily Podcast, I listened to that one. It was a good interview. Quote, Favre knew that the money was flowing through a nonprofit, which was designed to serve poor folks, designed to serve public interest. OK, uh, let's keep going. White, during an interview published by a Christian news outlet, World, quote, stealing taxpayer is, funds and committing
1: white collar fraud. So is there, is, there, is there any interview that Chad White won't do? He goes from ESPN to CNN to sort of like some you know Catholic you know, newspaper. He sounds like he's a very politically ambitious person. I mean, he's a state auditor. Who's ever heard of a state auditor going on an ESPN or CNN? I mean- He was surprised too. I was listening. He was very surprised he got the invite. (laughs) Yeah, so surprised that, you know, he was blindfolded and driven, you know, (laughs) anonymously by somebody to CNN studio had no idea that he was showing up there until they took off the blindfold and then the cameras were on. So it came all as a great shock to Shad White, which, It's a very important distinction. When you think of his role as the state auditor, he's basically an accountant. All right. He's not a sort of a a law enforcement officer. He's not a prosecutor. He's not the governor. And he's making statements as to Brett Favre's state of mind, not just simply that the funds were not used for their intended purpose, but that Favre knows it was a sham. He engaged in white collar fraud knowingly. Misused funds, and that's kind of the heart of Brett Favre's uh, defamation lawsuit against Shad White, and that and that, that White is really stepping outside of his normal role as an auditor, and now is becoming sort of the accuser, the prosecutor, the face of the accusations against Brett Favre in a in, Brett Favre in a very public forum, and that's gonna that's gonna raise a very interesting sovereign immunity or absolute immunity issue because th- th- this auditor is also named as a defendant in another defamation case Chad White brought by a university of mississippi professor wait, and shad white is being sued in another case another defamation case okay. he's the first auditor in united states history to be a defendant in two different defamation actions and he's not even 40 years old wait is that I mean, true or did you just make that, that up that is that's absolutely true. true did you call Clued. the alliance I, I, did you call the I, elias sports bureau <laughs> I'm not want to. I'm not going to say he's politically ambitious, but he's very vocal relative to the narrow scope of his job responsibilities. And in that other defamation case brought by the college professor, I think the I think the auditor Shad White accused or made some statements publicly about the professor violating some law. The professor sued him for defamation, and what is what does Shad White do in the case? He moves to dismiss the lawsuit on the basis that he's covered by absolute immunity in his role as a government official. And the Mississippi court denied that motion for sovereign immunity or de- denied that dismissal motion because you know, the court reasoned that your job as an auditor does not entitle you to make defamatory statements about private individuals. So that recent decision could loom very large in the similar not similar, but in a separate defamation lawsuit brought by Brett Brent Favre against Shad White. He has a history of being a little too vocal and public and, and verbose in public settings that are designed to attract the media attention for what is otherwise a very nondescript accounting role.
0: I'm agreeing with you. Uh, if you listen to him, he does seem to have a flair for the dramatic. But uh, they
1: blindfolded him and they took him to ESPN. He had no idea he was where he, he was going. He was funny.
0: He was like, uh, you know, my wife is saying, "Why? What? what are you doing on ESPN?" So it was funny when the when the news report came out, and I, I had forgot that I'd listened to his interview. Um, it said, "Oh, if Shannon Sharp sued, Pat McAfee sued, and some auditor." And I'm like, eh, "I'll read that complaint when I get around to it. Let me read the two sexy ones first, and then this one's." So it's got some some uh, I don't want to say some teeth with some interesting levels. So Dan, let's let's start with Chad White, okay? Sovereign immunity I think is interesting, but let's talk about the standard of defamation and this standard that we're going to give you is going to apply, you know, g- generally. I think it's going to apply the same as we get to go through our line here, maybe a little bit differently later on. But what is defamation, right? So if you're I don't know how many minutes we're into this podcast, Michael will probably cut out all the bad stuff we said and figure it out. But you know, defamation is a is a false statement of fact that approximately cause some type of reputational harm that could result in monetary damages. So if you are not a public figure, um, you just have to prove falsity, right? That's, that's it. Now, Brett Favre is the person that all these statements were about. Brett Favre is undeniably a public figure. No one will tell you otherwise. When you have a public figure, you have this uh, heightened standard, as they say, you have to show actual malice. So actual malice, I think you kind of I was going to say, you know, when you see it, but it's it's when the with the um, person uttering the statement via um, if they say it out loud, that's slander, if they write it, it's called libel. Same thing, just written or or verbal. And if the person knows what they are saying is false, but they say it anyway, they're basically intentionally lying. That will count as actual malice. Or there's another form of actual malice where you say something and you just have reckless disregard if the thing is actually true or not. Um, That's a case that we covered on this podcast not so long ago uh, with the Casey Close, uh, Doug Gottlieb, you know, instance about why Freddie Freeman went to, um, you know, the Dodgers and not the Braves, Um, but a story for another day. For our purposes of this case, for all three of these cases, you don't just have to show the normal elements of defamation. You also have to show that the, the person uttering that statement actually had some level of actual malice towards Favre when they said it. So, Dan, I pose this to you. Okay, we probably have one more thing to talk about with respect to defamation.
1: But then just with respect to Shad White, do you think the actual malice standard is met? I think the actual malice standard could be met with respect to all three defendants. And we we need to sort of backtrack a little bit and cover the statements made by uh, Shannon Sharp and Pat McAfee. Yeah, let's do Shad White first. Let's go one by one. Okay,
0: Law school fact pattern.
1: Yeah, I mean, actual malice isn't a high bar here because the statements made by all three defendants are essentially that Brett Favre stole the money. He stole money. I mean, if if you if you just if you just parse through the statements attributed to McAfee, Sharp, and White, the word stealing is included within almost every one of their quotes. And that's sort of classic defamation or slander per se, which is a much more serious form of defamation or slander. I mean, Favre will have to prove the falsity. Of those statements, and I think that will turn out to be the essential, crucial element in the case. But the actual malice standard—that the speakers were, were in reckless to go, disregard of whether Favre, you know, stole the money or not—Favre was never charged with a crime. Every speaker knows that, or should have been on notice that Favre was never charged with a crime because there was so much public reporting about the about these allegations. Uh, That I I think you would have been reckless or have to have had your head in the sand, buried in the sand to not know that Favre was never charged with a crime and accusations that somebody stole money are recognized throughout the country in every state that is classic defamation per se, which under Mississippi law. Statements constituting defamation per se are basically words imputing the guilt or commission of some criminal offense involving moral turpitude. And in and, and in the case of accusing somebody of stealing money, you're imputing the crime of theft, the indictable criminal offense of theft. And he was never charged with a crime. So I would have to say, before we even get to McAfee and Sharp, which we will in a second, the statement that Brett Favre stole money is an accusation that Brett Favre committed a criminal offense and he has never been charged with a criminal defense. So I believe the actual malice standard may not be too difficult to meet in this case. And and in these cases, and Favre should be able to get by motions to dismiss, whether this ends up in state court or federal court. And we're gonna turn to the issue of the falsity of the allegations uh, a little bit later on, because I think that is gonna be the cornerstone of the entire case. I just wanna say this here, and I, I will say this with one hundred percent. You know, I'm a, I'm trying to be
0: an open book here, Dan. I listened to two different ESPN Daily podcasts last night when I was trying to prep for this, and I was doing hundred things. Dan, there are thirty-eight civil defendants in that that larger lawsuit where the state of Mississippi is is going after people. I'm not sure of the exact overlap between those thirty-eight and the six that have taken pleas, criminal pleas, in those cases. But Dan, I'm a crazy person. I listen to podcasts on sometimes double speed, sometimes 1.1 and a half speed. I could listen to that podcast and half listen to it. And the DA was involved. There's take, people taking pleas. There's texts that implicate Favre. And if you're just not listening to that podcast that closely, you could not with actual malice just say like, oh, well, yeah, there was a criminal case that kind of involved Favre. There was the welfare and it was the same money. Yeah, I guess probably Favre
1: was charged with the crime. I, no, I that, would, that, that would be reckless to make that assumption again. Well, well, and we're, we're spending a lot of time on actual malice, but, but, but I think you should be spending more time on the truth of falsity, well, which is an element of no, prove. I, I want to get there, but I don't I don't want to miss this
0: point. Okay. Dan, what I had to research last night, because I, you know, I, I think this is important. You know, negligence per se doesn't obviate the the need to show actual malice. You still need to show it. So if Pat McAfee, right, or Shannon Sharpe or Shad White, and I guess we'll go look we at all dress them together. If you don't have the actual malice standard. That's that's tough, right? We can talk about truth and falsity. I think that has a really big element to this case. We could talk about Brett Favre's daughter potentially being a witness called into these cases, right? Because it's, it's her volleyball team and all this stuff, other fun stuff. But I don't want to lose sight of that, right? I, I could make a whole argument in this case that you could begin and end with actual malice. Like, do we get past there? Maybe it's, you survive a motion to dismiss, but I'm I'm not sure you could ever get Pat McAfee on on, you know, on, on actual malice. Maybe maybe the case ends there. But Dan, I know we want to talk about truth and falsity. Do you want to i, well, I think it's fair to get into it here
1: let, let's let's stick with slander per se for a moment because that is a that that, that is a very important component if uh if Favre can establish that these statements constitute slander per se and every listen i did i did a lot of legal research on this on monday and every case i found in mississippi outside of mississippi over and over and over uh statements that so and so stole the money or stole money or embezzled money or every single one of those cases led to a finding that the statements rose to the level of slander or defamation per se. And the advantage that the plaintiff gets from that is he doesn't have to prove damages. Of course, you may not get a lot of damages if you're unable to prove damages, but at least you get your general damages and that can serve as the foundation for an award of punitive damages. And of course, FARV has also alleged special harm in you know, lost Endorsement and promotional opportunities, but 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 I believe that making an accusation that Brett Favre stole money constitutes, in a vacuum without consideration of any other facts, statements that meet the the slander per se standard. Now, was there actual malice? You know, listen, these 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 speakers may not have actual. I think Shad White for sure knew that Brett Favre was not charged with a crime because he's the state auditor. But he's nonetheless making serious allegations against Brett Favre that he embezzled money, stole money and engaged in white collar fraud, even though Favre was never charged with a crime. And, and crucially, Shad White didn't make those statements in, in an accusatory instrument, in an indictment, ah, in a legal document litigation he privilege. Them on television yeah, and a podcast.
0: So that's a warning to us that you can get charged with defamation through what you say ding, in the podcast. Ding 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 ding. Right. Oh. Okay. So let's let's get let's try to go back through our form. Right. So Shad White is the only guy we talk talked about his allegations. Dan, I'm with you. He's the first one that we need to talk about. And when it comes to uh, causation, he's the guy that seems to be lighting this fuse and. I think everyone's following his reporting. Largely, he's one of the people that's kind of driving this. So Could you have actual malice, Dan?
1: We're we're not really sure. Maybe he's the first. Oh, come on! I mean, it, this is a he layup could. of actual malice in the come case on. of Shad White. He knows. He knows that Favre was not charged oh, with the crime. Just just lay
0: up for a second. I think you probably have yeah. the strongest potential case for actual malice against him. Those two are going back and forth. Favre is calling him a liar on on social media. You know, th- there is some tit for tat going back and forth with these two. And also, he's he's making far of pay interest on the 1.1 that he paid back there's a whole saga with these two but you go through the rest of the elements you know uh we can we could discuss that later but chad white is our first guy in line dan the second guy i want to get to right is shannon sharp as the kids call shannon they call him shay shay right shannon sharp is uh sits opposite of skip bayless on undisputed on fox sports so he's a talk show host he is not um, of a brand of talk show hosts like Barstool or like Pat McAfee, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Shannon Sharp is a debate show guy. He deals in facts. He deals in the research and development group of Fox Sports. And they give him, you know, I'm sure there's a ton of interns giving him, uh, you know, facts and figures. And he's going back with, with uh, you know, with Skip. If something comes out of Shannon Sharp's mouth, we've been conditioned to as an audience, assume it to be true that it's researched and well thought out. I watched the clip. I think it was September 15th at memory serves. And I'm going to bring up the complaint in a minute. Again, I I, I think this is important, right? The courts don't just look at what, what the statement was said on paper, right? That's where I think, you know, these complaints, even in 2023, if we can put the videos in them, we can embed videos, that would be great. But the tone is very important. Who says it's very important? The context of how it is said is very important. I watched that Shannon Sharp clip. It's on YouTube. People can find it. It's an 11 minute clip. Shannon Sharp is doing basically a monologue as to how Brett Favre is a deplorable human being about how 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 did the world go after Terrell Owens and not go after Brett Favre? Brett Favre had a bad reputation before, but he overcame it. It's it's kind of a scathing commentary on Favre as if he is speaking that the thing is has happened and there's no doubt about it. So if you're, you know, if you listen to the Shad White interviews and you assume that what he was saying is fact, if you listen to Shannon Sharp, it's not quite Shad White levels where you think the guy is just preaching fact. But like Shannon White is saying, or Shannon Sharp is saying, it was like, without a shadow of a doubt, this happened and, and Brett Favre is a bad person. So let's let's get into a little bit of what um, Shannon Sharp said. So Shannon Sharp's a former NFL player. You know, he's one of the best tight ends in the history of football. He's, he's a big name in his own right. I think Sterling Sharp and Sh- and Brett Favre actually were teammates on the Packers, so mm-hmm. a little bit of a <laughs> a little bit of an awkward thing, I no guess. Fam-
1: maybe he'll get a family discount on the settlement.
0: You know, maybe can, you know. <laughs> Okay. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> okay. So here are the comments: September fourteenth, an episode of Undisputed. So at this point in time, just as we're analyzing all of our defendants, Chad White's been saying stuff about Favre for months, if not years. So. We have a kind of a built-in level of reputational harm that maybe Favre already has at this point. We have to point this out. So by the time we get to Shannon Sharp on September 14th, during an episode of Undisputed, he says, quote, The problem that I have with this situation, you've got to be a sorry mofo to steal from the lowest of the low. This is a different quote. Brett Favre is taking from the underserved in Mississippi and, quote, Dan, get ready for the ding, ding, ding. Brett Favre stole money from people that really needed that money. So those three are the comments. If you watch the clip and I implore you to, if you're interested in it, reads very differently when you hear Shannon Sharp saying it. So Dan, I will let up. Those are the comments. Uh, your thoughts on the Shannon
1: Sharp piece of this. Sure, sure. Shannon Sharp also made another quote unquote stealing comment. He said, Brett Favre stole from the lowest of the, stole from the lowest of the low. I mean, he, he used the word stole not in a jocular fashion, not in a satirical fashion, not calling him, hey, he's a thief, he's a liar, but he specifically stated that Brett Favre stole money, and you know, this is this this really, you know, kind of underscores the danger of you know live shows and shooting from the hip and the hot take programs, right? You don't know what's going to come out of these hosts' mouths sometimes, but we're talking about Fox Sports here. Fox Sports has, uh, you know, sort of uh, an army of lawyers in-house lawyers. If the New York Times or another newspaper were to publish an article stating that Brett Favre stole money from the poor, they'd be sued for defamation without question. So when when that happens in the context of a shoot from the hip, hot take, you know, show, Undisputed or a Stephen A. Smith type program, sometimes sometimes there's no vetting of these statements ahead of time. But I think on the Undisputed show, they were certainly aware that, uh, you know, Brett Favre was going to be a topic of the conversation, how do the lawyers not get involved to at least instruct the host, instruct Shannon Sharp? Listen, when you talk about Shannon Sharp, oh, I'm sorry, when you talk about Brett Favre, don't accuse him of having committed a crime. And this is the type of, uh, you know, service that's provided by in-house counsel from major media outlets like Fox Sports, Fox News, the New York Times. I mean, these statements are almost, you know, incomprehensible to me made on a television show where there's a heightened level of legal risk to begin with because they're trying to outdo one another with their hot takes. And they're talking about somebody who's ensnared in, a, in an alleged welfare scandal and making these broad, sweeping, accusatory statements that, you know, Brett Favre stole money without necessarily saying that it has been alleged that. And that's I
0: a crucial distinction. I have a million dollar idea, Dan. Are you ready for this? I think we should take people, Dan, to allegedly school. Are you ready for this? For all all of our sports media people that that grab the microphone, or not just sports media people, media people, people on Twitter, right? The words allegedly, claimed, reportedly, I have fun in my class. We say them. And and I'm I'm dealing with a defamation case now that I'm defending, where this is very important case law. Why do you have to say allegedly, reportedly, claimed, I heard this from somebody else, because those signify to an audience that you are not the source of those, that you are providing some conjecture because it's not coming from you. That's why those cont- those words are important. We don't just say them to be funny, right? If I say allegedly, I- I'm not saying it as fact. So that's why those words are so important. And you might think, Dana, and you thought of it, hot take culture, like, right, you can't just say so-and-so is a thief, Right. Unless you you could say that
1: you could say that you just can't say he stole money, which are basically the same thing. Well, but the case law recognizes a distinction between sort of these broad characterizations and specific accusations of a crime. And by the way, the words like claimed, reportedly, allegedly, purportedly, yeah, those are great words to, you know, sort of, you know, provide yourself with protective cover. Just don't put them in air quotes or arch your eyebrow. Because then you'll blow it. I mean, I then a, you'll sort of negate the allegedly, a, purportedly, or reportedly. No air quotes allowed. In incidental eyebrow,
0: but um, Dan, I, I I think it's important. People that are in the space that want to be talking about these, throw them in. Throw when in doubt, throw in allegedly. Dan, that's my million dollar advice. We should take that on Shark Tank. Well, Shannon, Shannon
1: Sharp uh, allegedly did not include purportedly, allegedly, or it has been reported in his as a pre, as a, prep, a prefatory. Or, or prefacing his remarks about Brett Favre, and that's potentially, uh, uh, that, that makes him a little bit more culpable than Pat McAfee, who we're going to be getting to in a second. Pat McAfee may have had the out of of prefacing his remarks by saying it has been reported that or allegedly he did make some effort at, 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 caution, at using cautionary language like that. But, you know, regardless of whether we're talking about White, Sharp, or McAfee, there's been so much reporting around these allegations against Brett Favre uh, that, that there's also the risk that we could be laying all the damages at the feet of Shannon Sharp when he was just adding to the cacophony of voices who've been talking about this case and reporting on these allegations. Uh, you know, I don't think the public became aware of these accusations against Brett Favre simply because Shannon Sharp was talking about it. So how do you separate out? and? Allocate responsibility if you're going to do that at all for Shannon Sharp or any of these defendants when this is a story that has been national for several months.
0: Dan, we have breaking news on the Pat McAfee front. Are you ready for this? So Uh, I think we should put this in here, Dan. I think it actually fits as we move on to the McAfee portion of this. Dan, we're reporting this, we're we're recording this on on Tuesday night. I think this episode will come out on Wednesday. Um, But we've had a lot of, and we we alluded to it. Pat McAfee has been tweeting through this. Uh, He's having fun. He's saying, I'll see you in court, pal. Uh, He gave a quote to our, our friend, AJ Perez, like, hey, why didn't you respond to the letter when they asked you to retract the statements? He goes, I was playing pickleball and I forgot about it. Pat's having a lot of fun with these these particular statements. He's having fun with this case. So earlier tonight, somebody sent me a link that uh, Brett Favre's lawyer went on a show, um, Eric Hirschman, who I think we're probably going to talk about at some point. I have some questions for you, Dan. But, you know, he's saying that this case is going to cost McAfee millions of dollars and that McAfee, right, is going to learn his lesson. Dan, so I I saw the comments. I think uh, he said him to Eric Hirschman. Dan, you have to see this quote or this tweet that McAfee just put out as we are recording this quote. If it bankrupts him, that that that, then he will have learned his lesson. Dash Farve's lawyer talking about me, shout out. I think that's his way of saying shout out to the boys and all the people that have followed along. That 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 folks are talking about bankrupting me these days. We've come a long way. My bank account to the lawyer, and he's doing like the the rock pose, like just bring it. So I mean, McAfee is turning this thing into content, Dan. This is what makes the
1: story a very different story. This case is not going to bankrupt Pat McAfee. Do you know how much money Pat McAfee makes from his, you know, various deals with FanDuel? A lot, uh, but he potentially he's potentially vulnerable on a multi million dollar, you know, damage award. Potentially, we're talking about based upon, uh, I, I think the punitive damages aspect of it could be could you know, could, could raise the figure. Uh, but he's, this is not going to bankrupt Pat McAfee. But make no mistake, Pat McAfee uses similar words. As did Shannon Sharp and, 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 and Chad White in that he's the, the, the statements attributed to McAfee on his pro on his on his podcast were that Farv stole from the poor people of Mississippi. He took money right out of their pockets, stealing from the poor again and again. The common thread linking White, Sharp and McAfee is the use of the word steal which implies the indictable offense of criminal theft. And Favre has not been charged with a crime.
0: Okay, I'm going to, this is, this is where I think, uh, at least where I think the case serve. These trilogy of cases are, are very fun. So I, I listened to Shad White's comments. I, I watched them, or I, I listened to them. He was talking very seriously, very sternly. Okay, Shannon Sharp, same thing, very sternly, saying them as he as he felt them, right? I watched the McAfee clips and I watched different clips of McAfee talking about Brett Favre, some of which is not being accused of defamation. Pat McAfee generally, just like the tweet we just read, he doesn't speak in a stern manner. He's very close to like Barstool and he used to be on Barstool. He he speaks in like, you know, this kind of humorous way. Like no one is going to Pat McAfee for like the CNN, like journalism, Big J reporting. At the end of the day for defamation, Dan, whether it's defamation per se or slander, or libel, whatever, whatever we want to get into, you still have to show that it was a factual statement, that it was an actionable statement, you know, for, for McAfee's purposes. I, I mean, I put the, the clip, it's a 28 second clip, Dan, the statements that you just read or where he's being alleged. I mean, I, had people in my replies like laughing, like this is, Pat is hilarious. This is so funny. The, the fact that there's humor involved here, Dan, the court will look at that and say the context yeah. of which those statements were uttered, a reasonable person wouldn't view that as having been a, a factual statement. So when it comes to McAfee, at least for me, I, I maybe put Shad White and maybe, you know, for just, I'm not going to put sovereign immunity in for a second, because I think that makes it a less fun hypo. I think you could rank the exposure in terms of liability, not in terms of monetary damages. But I think Shad White, again, notwithstanding the, the immunity level, but Shad White, you know Shannon Sharp, and then I think McAfee is a completely different tier. I don't think any reasonable person
1: would think that McAfee was saying something factual. That's just not McAfee's brand. Well, I mean, in, to, to his in his defense, he did preface his remarks at least ten or so seconds before he made them. Uh, he said that from the information we currently have, or right. you know, we judge it accordingly, right? So he, there's an attempt made to say that this is based upon. Information that's received from other sources, but then he he goes ahead and uses very plain and unambiguous language that Favre stole money from the poor and took it right out of their pockets. Is he speaking metaphorically? Is he making a specific accusation? I think these are jury questions. I think these are factual questions that because we're in the in the category of slander per se, you know, accusation that so and so committed the crime of theft. I think Favre has enough here to get by a motion to dismiss. Now, this this lawsuit may not end up being litigated in Lamar County. Lamar County is, you know, sort of the home of where Brett Favre, you know, I guess resides. Brett Favre lives in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, which is, I guess, part of that is in Lamar County. But because Pat McAfee is an Indiana-based defendant, a non-resident defendant, and Favre is a Mississippi resident. Uh, The cases against McAfee and Shannon Sharp are going to be removed to federal court. And once they're removed to federal court, that will provide McAfee and Sharp with a little bit more of a level playing field. Because, you know, listen, in state court, uh, you know, my experience both in New York and Florida is that cases in state court uh, if you can indict, if you can indict a ham sandwich, you can get almost anything to a jury in state court. Uh, state state court judges are not as difficult on satisfying you know summary judgment of motions for dis- dismiss standard. Bad cases, poorly alleged cases, can get to a jury in the state court system, at least in Florida. All right, maybe that's becoming less so uh, with the advent of complex litigation you know, departments within the state court system. But the advantage of federal court. Is that the federal judges are appointed for life? They're not elected. They're not going to sort of, you know, favor, you know, the hometown plaintiff. And they're going to take a closer look at issues like sovereign immunity, actual malice, falsity, damages. Uh, the federal judge is gonna play the role of a gatekeeper, and there are gonna be many gauntlets that Brent Favre is gonna to have to survive here to get this case to a jury. And I'm not sure that he can, but on the issue of slander per se, the allegations made in his complaint, attributable to Pat McAfee, Shannon Sharp, and and, and Chad White, accusing Favre of stealing money, would at least at the pleading stage be sufficient to constitute slander per se and advance this case into the discovery phase. Okay. well. I can't well, I can't say it yet, but let's
0: let's let's stick with, with um with McAfee for a minute. Then I want to get into this anti-slap world, which we have not talked about. So Mississippi, you will get to it. It's, it's a unique kind of state. Dan, I'll, I'll push back on one thing you said. Um, you know, let's just read this just the statement. We don't have to talk about the context. Quote: Every time his name gets brought up, we have to mention that he tied the hands of the poor people and took money right out of their pockets. So, Dan, I'm I'm gonna um I'm gonna ask you this. And I'm not being facetious. Do you think anybody thinks that Brett Favre tied people up like a cartoon villain like Boris and Natasha with like Rocky and Bullwinkle, tied their hands up and stole money out of their
1: pockets? Do you think that anybody actually think that's what happened? No, that kind of statement is not actionable as slander per se. You hold can on call, hold on. That's everybody, you know, sort of in these broad
0: labels. Right. That that statement by itself, I mean, maybe the other the second one that we that we can isolate, right? is certainly in the middle of stealing from poor people in Mississippi right now. I don't think I think that statement of tying people up and actually physically taking from their pockets like he's obviously joking, like nobody thinks Brett Favre did that. I mean, that's I, I we should talk about that.
1: I think that statement might be more of a borderline. I've got a Mississippi case right on point. I'll give uh, I'll give Pat McAfee's attorneys a head start. The the case is Cook versus Wallot, not Wallach, but Wallot <laughs> from the Mississippi Court of Appeals 2013 and, and, and direct quote from the case that labeling another person as a thief and a dishonest person may be an insult and may lead to a breach of the peace, I guess a fistfight. The plaintiff isn't relieved of the obligation to prove special damages because it's well settled in Mississippi that the mere use of a label, such as thief, crook, liar, is insufficient to prove defamation per se. So the statement that you're discussing is sort of more of a a, a caricature type of statement that I don't think is defamatory. It might be an insult and it might lead to a breach of the peace. And I don't know who's going to win that fight if we're between McAfee and Favre, but maybe it's not defamation, but, but perhaps some of the other statements are defamatory.
0: Um, and just to finish, we didn't address this. And then, well, let's, let's, I mean, this episode's gone on long enough. I have one kind of chapter for you. Uh, he also, just just for sake of purposes, Dan, I think this other one that's kind of like an insult or just being funny. Uh, McAfee has a tweet. So he's got the slander element, the stuff that we read, and then a little bit of libel, right? We got to hit, we got to hit both ends. He tweets Devonte Smith was doing the quote, the farv after that touchdown was crazy. And it's a video of Devontae Smith on the Eagles taking money out of the uh, pan uh, pantomime and taking money out of the Salvation Army red jug at the Cowboys game. And he's saying he's doing a farb celebration. So again, that's not defamatory. That's not, it's defamatory. not that's a joke. It's, it's, it's hold on. It's not, Dan, but it, it made its way into the complaint as being defamatory, as being done with actual malice. So there's portions of this complaint, which I think you and I hopefully can both agree on, that don't make any sense, that really kind of cheapen the overall allegations when you put everything uh, but hey, wait, listen,
1: it's, it could be a kitchen sink approach, uh, j- just like in any fraud case or any fraudulent misstatement case. The court is going to is going to f- make make decisions or, or findings on a on a statement by statement basis. Some are in, some are out. And I, statements that Pat McAfee should be more concerned about are the ones where he's unequivocally saying. No, that agreed.
0: Agreed. Agreed. I kind of want to hit this for the last part that I, I know you have a dog walk upcoming and it's like 1130 on my side. So we'll, we'll go to sleep in a minute. Dan, this last chapter, at least mine, and then we can kind of clean up and do some miscellaneous stuff at the end. is not the question of the analysis of, of will, you know, Farve win and will we get dismissed? I think there's a lot of intrigue, put it this way, from my students and, and social media as to what the thought process was in filing this lawsuit to begin with. So we, we did not talk about it yet. Um, Brett Favre sends out uh, or the lawyers send out kind of like cease and desist and retraction requests. um, I think this past week, so February 3rd and 4th and 5th, right? Um, You know, there's some speculation that, hey, they maybe did it so they could file the lawsuit right before the Super Bowl. I'm not necessarily buy it or not. Um, But it's one thing to ask for a, a retraction. It's another thing to actually go through. And file the lawsuit if they if they call your bluff and they don't issue uh, you know actually issue retraction and take the video off of YouTube. So let's let's start here, Dan. By filing these lawsuits, we have to talk about what Brett Favre has opened himself up to, right? Dan, we've spent so much time on this podcast in the last year and a half we talked about Deshaun Watson. Why didn't he file a defamation case? Well, I could tell you for at least one reason, right? Deshaun Watson is playing football. He, he he has this in his rear view mirror. He's moving on, right? And maybe another case will come about, but he's moving past it. Trevor Bauer, but then when he filed his defamation case, he filed three of them against his accuser and two media entities, right? We're talking about media entities. Trevor Bauer had nothing to lose. He had a two-year suspension for Major League Baseball. For Brett Favre's sake, right? Like, I, I'm not sure that if Brett Favre was like front page news anymore. I don't know if it was a B-level story or a C-level story. At this point, five months have passed in September. No one's talking about Brett Favre. But Dan, you and I have both said it on this show. And I and I, and I genuinely believe this. If you go after Shannon Sharp and Pat McAfee, you have now turned this into a story that people are going to talk about, number one, Dan. And number two, this is the part that I know you want to talk about. Uh, and, and I'm curious about it. You have now kind of like, Alerted, Shannon Sharp's lawyer and Pat McAfee's lawyer, and you know Sh- Shad White's lawyer. These people are now financially motivated to prove the truth of these allegations that Brett Favre actually did commit this this welfare fraud. So now you don't just have the state of Mississippi coming after you. You now have three individual plaintiffs in these cases who are all going to hire their own lawyers and they're all going to pursue the truth. So whether that be defamations, discovery, right? Dan, potential depositions of Brett Favre's daughter who was on the volleyball team, and she might know, right? They can make Brett Favre's life hell during this discovery phase. So I, I hope Brett Favre's like lawyers, they really made a call and they said, you know what, in the grand scheme of things, this is worth it for Brett Favre's reputation to sue. I, I don't think anyone's going to go out there, Dan. I put out an open invite to all 5 million lawyers in the world to come to my my uh, Fordham Law School class on Monday and defend the Brett Favre position and really kind of genuinely do it.
1: I didn't get any takers.
0: So I, I think this was a huge PR
1: Is how you defend it, Here's how you defend it, Dan. This may not be a national story in Florida and New York until now, but it is a big story in Mississippi. It is a big story in Mississippi where Brett Favre lives, where Brett Favre has a reputation, where his charitable foundation uh, donates millions of dollars to Mississippians. And he has a reputation, a good reputation. Maybe, Maybe as a result of this case, who knows? But when you call somebody a thief, when you're saying that he stole money, and you say that to somebody with the with the reputation as a football player as a, his nickname was the gunslinger sometimes the best defense is a good offense and i think Brett Favre is bringing that to life and crucially here you you're only looking at the risk from Favre's perspective yeah he can open himself up to a discovery and whatever that discovery could generate could potentially lead to more problems for Brett Favre but the risk isn't one sided here There's also risk on the part of Shannon Sharp. There's a risk for Shad White. There's a risk for Pat McAfee. They are defendants in a case where they uttered the words, Brett Favre, you stole money when Favre has not been charged with a criminal offense. So at the beginning, at least, at the outset, those defendants are dealing from a disadvantageous position based upon having made statements that may have gone a lot further than ever should have gone if i if i was in-house attorney for you know fox i would never ever would have let something like this be published I would, I would i would have given an admonition to the broadcasters before they go on the air make sure you talk about this uh by using the qualifying conditional language so right away they committed the cardinal sin of accusing somebody of a crime that's not been charged with a crime but uh, you know to to in their in their in their I guess in their benefit or at least to their advantage is that the element of whether farve committed the crime of theft the burden of proof as to the statements falsity does not lie with Pat McAfee Shannon Shannon sharp or Shad White it's up to it's up to farv to prove that the statements made about him were false and there's evidence that that Brett Favre, had to repay the money, received $1.1 $1. 1 million, dollars $1. 1 million, uh for promotional appearances that he never gave.
0: Allegedly. And only returned
1: the money. Only re- only allegedly returned the money, part of the money after the state <laughs> auditor made a demand for it. Well, you know, maybe that makes Brett Favre look bad. Maybe that speaks to his state of mind, but he still hasn't been charged with the crime of theft. Theft. Stealing money, stealing, is a very specific accusation. They could have used they could have used language or verbiage other than the word stole. And McAfee's uh, podcast has such an, an, an enormous reach that maybe a jury in Mississippi looks at the statements made by McAfee as significantly more harmful because of his national platform, which is more sizable than the platform that chad white has
0: two things and i want to get to libel proof plaintiff in a minute dan um this is important uh, again this is i guess we talk about a lot of things on the show theft is an, an intent uh, it's an element that requires intent so if we're trying to figure out what brett Favre's defense is going to be in this I, you know i've listened you know i've read read the statements i can kind of have an assessment of where Favre's going to go with this he's going to say Right. That he didn't know what was going on, that he entrusted someone and that he didn't knowingly, he didn't intentionally take that money, He just entrusted the wrong people. And and this is what happened. So um, it's a pretty technical argument. But, you know, maybe per se. Right. He didn't actually commit theft if he didn't intend to do it. Dan, I've got a question for you. Um, I don't think by any means that Brett Favre, uh, not to say that he will be charged with the crime, but, you know, by no means is he out of the water. Right, Dan. I uh, this is a. Uh, I think I know the answer to this, but just for our listeners, let's say Brett Favre gets charged with the crime. Okay, the DA tomorrow they pop in and they're like, Brett Favre, we're charging you. Right. Again, hypothetical. It's not happening. I have no idea if it's happening. Dan, do these cases just get automatically discontinued? Right.
1: Is that is that what happens, or are those? Still- I don't know. I don't know. Man does the, does the does the does the do the criminal charges get dismissed? Do they go anywhere? Stealing is not you're an accusation. that so and so has been charged. It's an accusation that Brett Favre did it. That would be crazy if those. I mean, I, I.
0: You're right. I don't think they would automatically get get discontinued. But if it was my case and yours, I think I would discontinue at
1: that point. Listen, Favre has a hard case here because he has to prove the element of falsity, and more importantly, that that uh, that, that that Shannon Sharp and, and McAfee and Chad White knew or were in reckless disregard of the truth or false of the uh, of the allegations. But he still has to prove that they're false. And this is going to become a mini litigation within the lawsuit over Brett Favre's intent over his actions and whether his actions rose to the level of, if not criminal theft, at least civil theft before he ultimately returned the funds. And that may not be uh, a flattering portrayal for Brett Favre and the discovery that gets generated as a result of these depositions and further inquiry by the lawyers for McAfee, White and Sharp could potentially expose Brett Favre to further jeopardy or some jeopardy criminally. So there's definitely a risk for Brett Favre, and there's a hurdle that he must overcome in, you know, in sort of portraying his actions as falling below the line of, you know, civil or criminal theft, and that remains to be seen, but there's certainly enough here in the lawsuits The accusation of of stealing money, I believe, is enough to survive a motion to dismiss, whether it's in state court or federal court. And I think ultimately this is going to come down to, you know, discovery and how far each side wants to take this battle. And for all the players in this lawsuit, there is significant risk for Shad White. There's risk to his political career if he's tagged with a defamation verdict and is on the losing side of a verdict, his political career is, is kaput. Uh, for, for you know Pat McAfee, it's distraction from his daily broadcast. The more content he puts out, uh, while it may uh, be humorous in the moment, it's also potential evidence that could be used against him in the lawsuit on the issue of punitive damages as well as culpability. Uh, there's no upside. Or there may be upside financially for Brett Favre, but there's no upside for Shannon Sharp, Pat McAfee, or Shad White in seeing this case through and including including trial, because they could lose. They most likely will not lose, but this could drag on for a couple of years, and it's not quite the, at some point, it becomes a major headache, major distraction, as well as heightens the risk of damage vulnerability once you get past a motion to dismiss if this goes past summary judgment and it's scheduled for trial if, if it gets to the courthouse steps somebody's going to be writing a check because this will not go to a trial um
0: i i don't think you're you're wrong at all dan i, I think McAfee's having fun with the content but uh really that. dan let's Absolutely. let's do I, I want you to hit libel proof plaintiff here there's you know i i had some fun with it lenny dykstra back in the day right you can find any number of cases dan do you think We could do this one fairly quick. I think people know what the answer is, and then we'll kind of close up. But, Dan, um, do you think that Britt Favre is libel proof? Do you think his reputation is so low that it's
1: not possible to defame him anymore? Uh, That defense or that argument is unavailable in Mississippi except as a jury question, right? The Lenny Dykstra decision I think that was out of a it was out of a Pennsylvania court the under libel proof plaintiff doctrine when a plaintiff's reputation is so diminished at the time of publication of the allegedly defamatory material that only nominal damages at most could be awarded because his reputation is so low that he couldn't have suffered any harm that typically applies to people who are habitual criminals people who have been convicted of crimes Charles Manson right would be a libel would have been a libel proof plaintiff. Brett Favre has never been convicted of a crime, nor charged with the crime. The allegations made against him as to his role in the alleged welfare scandal, that pertains to this incident, and that really bears more on the issue of the truth or falsity of the allegations and cannot be used to cast him as a libel-proof plaintiff. And there's a Mississippi Supreme Court decision, uh, Armstead versus Minor, uh, 2002 case, which said that the libel proof plaintiff doctrine cannot be used in Mississippi uh, pre-trial. It cannot be used by a court in justifying the dismissal of a lawsuit on a 12B6 motion to dismiss or on a rule 56 motion for summary judgment. It's something that requires consideration of, of, of a plaintiff's credibility. And that's the sole province of the jury So in Mississippi, whether we're litigating this case in federal court or state court, the judge's hands are going to be tied on the libel-proof doctrine, libel-proof plaintiff doctrine, because it only becomes available as an issue once this case gets to a jury, not before the jury. So it's only a, a factual issue for trial. It's not a legal issue that the court can use to justify dismissal of the lawsuit. Now, Mississippi differs in that respect from other courts around the country, but the Mississippi Supreme Court has spoken definitively about the availability of that doctrine.
0: Dan, I got one more than I am legitimately, uh, I got no more on my list and I am out of gas. Um, the part that people should should know, there's a concept in law called an anti slap statute. That is a, an, a concept that exists in majority of states that allows someone that is being sued for defamation to kind of, uh, Dan, you said the best uh, defense is a good offense. If you get sued for defamation and you think it's a frivolous case that someone's just suing you to kind of quell your, your right to free speech, you can then hit them uh, with what they call with an anti slap statute. So uh, that stands for strategic lawsuits against public participation. So if you file a frivolous defamation suit against someone to quell their free speech, the person can then move to dismiss in some states. Um, you know, it's, it's fairly quick action. I think it has to be heard for a motion, I think with like 30 days in the most aggressive of these states, but the case can get dismissed. And not only that, the party that brought this so-called frivolous lawsuit can be assessed with all of what the defense cost would be. So Dan, let's say you sued me in one of these anti-slap states and you said, uh, you know, you had some frivolous nonsense defamation case against me and I sued you and I won, I got it dismissed. Whatever lawyer I hired, to write those great motion papers, you're footing the bill, so it's not just embarrassing, right? So it's it's an incentive to yeah. not file frivolous defamation cases. It's an interesting it's an interesting case. I, I, it's an, it an important work
1: against- but it, it, it's it's a you know sort of a meaningless remedy against rich people, right? Anti-slap statutes. If you're a if you're somebody that doesn't have a lot of money, you're going to be chilled against filing a lawsuit because you're going to have to pay sort of the litigation costs and the lawyers' fees, maybe a couple hundred grand, and that can put you into bankruptcy. Uh, Brett Favre is not a you know is not a uh, a vulnerable anti-slap plaintiff. We're talking about people who are millionaires on both sides of the V. Well. We can have that
0: conversation about Brett Favre, but unfortunately, Dan, we don't get to talk about anti-slap so much. Mississippi is one of the worst states in the country at protecting free speech because Mississippi, Dan, does not have an anti-slap statute. So um, really, listen, I buried the lead here, but the only the only real harm that comes from filing this lawsuit. Is getting it dismissed. If there is no, Dan, I, I know you're saying ah, $100,000, no big deal, right? I'm not sure how many endorsement Brett Favre is getting after this. He's not getting the Wrangler one back. I'm not sure he's getting any of these. So maybe $100,000 is going to feel that, right? All that money's tied up, uh, you know, in, in the, the volleyball courts, right? You know, allegedly, reportedly, I'm not going to get in trouble here. Um, but for our purposes, Dan, there is no anti slap statute. So I don't think these lawsuits happen in certain states. I don't. Um, but I think they do happen in Mississippi because it seems that. Short of, um, you know, getting your case dismissed is not really that's, that much of a downside. So, Dan, we talked about this on uh, our first dry run of the podcast. But, uh, you know, Brett Favre's got two Mississippi local counsel. He's got Texas counsel. He's got uh, New York counsel. He's got an army of lawyers filing the same uh, four lawyers that are attached to all three of the complaints. Um, Dan, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll just say I, I, I put the line in the opening line at minus 500 for Pat um sure. and and uh, maybe less so for shad and less so for shannon but i i don't think that that and this is me i'm happy to be wrong this is my my personal opinion i don't think brett farb is going to win on any of these cases could he settle them if somebody doesn't want to fight this and go through sure but on the merits i don't think that Favre is going to win any of these cases
1: well, he's got the uphill battle. He's got to run gauntlets. He's got to prove all yeah. the elements. He's got to show actual malice. He's got to prove falsity. He's got to prove falsity. Who has the burden of proof in this case really is the you know key issue and and probably most vulnerable part of the case for Brett Favre. He's got to overcome that hurdle of proving falsity uh, when there's already evidence out there that uh, you know he was paid or his company was paid money for giving promotional, uh, doing promotional appearances and giving speech that he didn't do. And he had to return the money. So right away on the issue of falsity, there may be some vulnerability there for Brett Favre. But I mean, he's got to run the gauntlet uh, and, 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 and McAfee and, and Sharp and Shad White only have to win on one of those issues if they can win on, if, if White can win on sovereign immunity or, or they can win on actual malice or on the falsity element, it's case over. So I, I, I would I would have to make Brett Favre the underdog here, but what he has in his favor was sort of an unforced error made by Pat McAfee, Shad White, and Shannon far- Sharp. They used the word stole, right? They didn't have to go that far. So that was an unforced error by those three defendants, which basically puts Brett Favre's case past a motion to dismiss and gets it by one of the most important gatekeeping hurdles in any civil litigation system. Now he gets to the issue of discovery and that's a sort of a double-edged sword here. I was gonna
0: say, Dan, it goes both
1: ways. Uh, But on the issue of uh, of statutes and anti-slap statutes, there's another statute which could be used to Brett Favre's benefit, which is the offer of judgment rule and offer of judgment statute in Florida. I don't know if New York has it. My home state of Florida has it. If you win on a defamation cause of action, you're not entitled to recover your prevailing party attorney's fees. That's not a statutory cause of action for which there are automatic lawyer's fees awarded to the winning party. But Mississippi allows the plaintiff or the defendant to make uh, an offer of judgment, and if it's not accepted within a 30-day period and the um, plaintiff ends up prevailing at trial by at least that amount plus a multiple, I don't know if it's 25%, and he recovers more than the amount that was turned down by the defendants. Brett Favre will be entitled to the reimbursement of all of his reasonable attorney's fees and costs from four different lawyers from and after the time he made the OJ, the offer of judgment. So while there's no anti-slap statute in Mississippi, there's sort of the reverse aspect of it in that the defendants here, McAfee, White, and Sharp could be on the hook for brett Favre's legal fees again we're a long way away from closure here i think you'd have to make brett Favre the underdog given what is already out there in terms of some of the facts but he's got a fighting chance and the unforced error of using definitive accusatory words like stole which imply the criminal offense of theft are words that didn't have to be used here
0: well, if you're going to use them, say the words reportedly, allegedly claimed yes. and all that stuff before them.
1: Um, Dan,
0: uh, I'll leave you with this. Uh, to quote Pat McAfee here, um, he was uh, kind of asked about this lawsuit. He goes, a lot of people are wondering how my lawyers are going to handle this. You know it. I Ain't got him, so let's ride this effort out. I'm excited to see how it goes. I'll see you in court, pal. I'm sure so, he
1: has lawyers by now.
0: I, I, I don't know if he has lawyers, Dan, <laughs> and I'm not opposed. If he wants to call you and I, Dan, we can we could co counsel on this. Uh, you know, we'll have some fun with it. But Dan, listen, it's a really fun case, and I, I love breaking it down with you. We didn't, uh, we'll see how we'll, see what it looks like after the edits, but we did about an hour and a half on this. Uh, so, um, a lot of content, Dan. I we emptied the tank. Uh, we, we're not going to cut it. This is our masterclass episode. We, we don't do them that often, Dan. Um, Dan, I'm ready to end it. I'm ready to go to sleep. I am, uh, I got no fuel left in the tank. Any final words, keep it tight. Cause I'm about to pass out on the podcast.
1: Yeah. I mean, next step in this case is we're going to wait to see when and whether the defendants remove this to federal court, which is what we're all waiting for. And what, what, what I'm personally hoping for because the Mississippi court system doesn't have the transparency. The federal court system has. you could pull documents in real time off of pacer so i'm praying uh, please pat mcafee remove this case to federal court
0: okay i i'm gonna ask pat uh and i wouldn't mind shannon getting involved as well Tweet through this case please It is so it's great for our students it's great for our show we love to see it dan uh the clock is about to strike midnight by me so i have to go to sleep we've got a big day of work tomorrow uh Dan, that was uh it was great. I love getting together with you for these big kind of educational episodes. We obviously have some fun. If you have not already, rate, review, subscribe to Conic Detrimental. We just uh moved over our feed, so we lost all of our reviews. So if you're listening to this and you once upon a time left us a review, please go back and do it. That would be great. We got to get those numbers back to where they were. Uh Dan, thank you for spending some time with me. And I think we can put it end it here, right, buddy? You good? Yep, yep,
1: yep. Uh, great episode three CLE credits uh in New York and Mississippi for whoever wants them
0: that is correct uh for Dan myself all of us here at Conduct Detrimental we will see you next time on another episode of Conduct Detrimental